Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it's Thursday, December 16th here on the East Coast. Hope everyone is doing well and staying healthy. Looking forward to this holiday season ahead of us. Coming up today, me and my friend J.R. Bascom break down all things succession, a massive, exciting, just tremendous season finale this past Sunday. The Roys did it again. Jeremy Strong, the creator of of the best show on TV. Man, do they do season finales right. And it is a great, great episode. It's a great TV show, and we had a lot of fun breaking it down. No, no big sports intro this week at the beginning. No big college football stuff happened this week. You know, signing day, but I don't know too much about the all the recruiting and a lot of flux there. You know, the biggest sports story today, Urban Meyer getting fired uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, could have seen this coming from basically the time he was hired. Didn't make any sense when it happened. Didn't make any sense while it was happening. And now the thing that has made sense is they have let him go. Um, it was just not a fit. He is not a fit for the NFL. And after this, who knows if he'll be a fit in major college football. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Feel feel, feel good for Trevor Lawrence and everyone on the Jaguars, coaching staff, players. It seemed like it was a really, really bad situation from the reports. But uh, not much to talk about there on the college football front. So it's an all-succession episode. And so if you haven't watched the season finale, or haven't watched the show in general. Watch the TV show, and if you haven't seen the finale, skip this episode, but if you have, it is a lot of fun. We, we get into the nitty-gritty of the foreshadowing, the events of the episode, how it all played out, just a really, really fun episode, uh, and really fun discussion about me and JR's favorite show. So I'll hit the music, and when we come back is our discussion from earlier today about Succession. All right, joining me now, our usual weekly podcast, recapping the best show on TV, Succession. We have reached the finale. A lot has happened within the Roy family. They're still in still in Italy, but it's going to be a long ride home for the whole clan. Maybe maybe separate PJs. I'm joined with my friend Jr. Bascom to break it all down. Jr., what what am I going to do with the soul anyway? I. I don't know. I don't think any of them have answered that question because I don't think any of them have it after. At this season, really just showed that it was a it was a free for all. Uh, glad to be here as usual, Dave. I want to say one thing before we get going. I think I would have won that game of Monopoly. I think I would have won it. Well, I don't know if you would have won it because they were all cheating. Well, um, that's why I would have won. <laughs> I would be a better cheater than all of them. Probably, but just okay. So, so to quick, <laughs> so so to quickly recap the episode because a lot has happened. We start. We talked a lot last week about Kendall's fate and what happened to Kendall. We start the episode, and as you said, the whole family is together playing Monopoly, which is beautiful irony in so many ways. <laughs> um, and Kendall is alive. Our number one boy lived to t- live to see another miserable week in the Roy family. Yeah, another um, bad trip to Italy. Another real bad trip to Italy for Kenny. Then Roman and Logan 
take the the chopper to the speedboat to Matson's house to talk about the deal. Logan tells Roman to go back to the wedding while Logan takes care of, you know, the grown-up business. Then there's the intervention at the wedding for, for Kendall. Connor sort of flips out. Then there's the wedding itself, which has a, a couple great Greg moments. Then Kendall confesses to his siblings about what happened with the waiter. The siblings are united as they learn about the Gojo deal and how it's falling apart in their minds. Tom has his agreement with Greg. And then we get to the end where Logan Logan wins and the kids are cut out. They are cut off, not a part of the family. And Logan has the line of really of the whole show, which is that I effing win. So you're a chronological chronological thinker, I remember from from last week. So start so start at the beginning. You see you see Kendall come out. Well, what were your thoughts? I sort of cheered. I I I was happy. I was happy. I think he's such an important part of this show. And we talked last week about whatever your opinions are on each of the kids. You can't have secession without all all of them like each of them brings their own dynamic each of them brings their own set of problems quite frankly and if you had taken somebody especially kendall especially kendall because he's a gravitational force for the other kids out of the show i don't think it would it would hold up as well as it has when he came out i was definitely happy i was a little I was a little off put Uh just by how it's weird to see them be nice to each other. Like it was, it was off putting to me. It's, it's very familial in a way because you know, siblings, you have, you have siblings, I have siblings, you can fight and say vicious things and then be nice to each other, but we don't really see that other side. And it was just a little off putting to me seeing everybody be nice to Kendall. Like, I don't know why, but I, I found it odd. Not that I did, didn't like it, but I just I definitely found it a little weird. Kendall found it weird too. Um, not just in, in that scene, but in, in the later scene with, with the intervention. Kendall clearly was like, you, like, why are you guys sort of being nice to me in, in a way? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fine. Uh, really interesting that, that we see uh, it starts with Logan reading that, that book to his grandson, Kendall's son, Iverson, which again speaks to Logan is basically abusing not just his own kids, but his, his grandchildren from he hit Iverson in, in season one, had him try potentially poisoned mozzarella last episode. <laughs> and then this episode is reading him like a picture book. And it's like, you like you're 10 years old or 12 or however old he's supposed to be. It's like, we need a book with, with words like, in action like no more pictures just like let the kid like his dad almost died let the kid read whatever he wants to read like it's not about you logan um that, that's not how they do it in the roy family no that's not how they do it it's you get thrown into the lion's den and you stay there and we see comfrey was the one who saved kendall i sort of liked how we didn't see kendall get saved i liked how we just sort of just went right into it mm-hmm. um you know did, like did we need to see kendall being in, in the ambulance and the rest of the family finding out. No, like that's not the point of this 
this show. Um, but Comfrey saves him, and we'll get into this a little later about her being a, probably a good person and Greg's sort of twist here. But then Logan gets the phone call. And he's got to go to Matson, Alexander Scarjard, talk about Gojo. They take the chopper to the boat. Just beautiful you know, scenes. The the surrounding area they did so effectively the last two episodes of like, we're in Italy and in, in Tuscany. We're going to actually show you that we're in Italy and Tuscany and make it really, really nice. And make mm-hmm. you, especially in this pandemic where not a lot of people are traveling, especially internationally, um, be like, wow, I really, really want to be there. That looks amazing. And we find out that Matson doesn't want to be bought by Waystar. He doesn't even want a merger of equals. He wants to buy Waystar. And Logan doesn't tell him his trademark phrase of F off. Logan listens to him. And Logan's like, we could talk about this, and sends Roman home. What mm-hmm. did you think in, in that moment? Because as we learned, there was a pivotal, pivotal scene. But sort of what did you think about it in, in that moment? I was definitely surprised. I've, I've talked before how you have this tumultuous journey of Waystar, especially with Logan's relationship to Waystar. In the last couple episodes, we've seen – Logan being back in control. Back in control of the company, back in control of his families, back in control of just really everything in his life, which is what we grew to expect and which is why I think it was such a interesting mid-season two to mid-season three because we saw this titan, as people call him, kind of floundering in a way. So I was definitely a little shocked that, you know, he didn't offer his patented phrase. I am of the mind, I think this is a long game. And I told you I had a theory. And I... Okay. I don't want to jump ahead in the chronological order. Okay, But I have a theory as it relates to this scene where I don't think we're seeing... I don't think everything is as it seems. Right. And I think Logan has an ulterior motive. Interesting. And, and, and when we get to the Roy kids unionizing, a.k.a. coming together, at the very last scene, I will get into my theory. But I'm a linear guy, Dave. I, I can't jump ahead. So we, so we go back to Tuscany. They're at breakfast, they do an intervention. Shiv's like, look, dude, you're falling apart. You're addicted to basically everything, um, drugs, <laughs> alcohol, the family, the business, sex. You're like, not doing great. You're not doing great. Women, like It's just like, Kendall, you need to go to rehab again, um, but you may need to go to like five different locations over the course of six months because I don't think there's a place on earth that could treat you for all of your addictions in just one place. Um, and Kendall basi- basically says – you guys don't know what it's like as the eldest son, the eldest child, to basically be lied to and have everything taken away from you in this way. And Connor's like, I'm the oldest kid. Don't you forget, <laughs> like, I'm the oldest son. Uh-huh. And it was a great moment of Connor sticking up for himself and standing up for himself in a way that we haven't seen before. Like, we talk all the time about Shiv, Kendall, and Roman. Shiv, Kendall, Roman. 
and forgetting that Connor's the oldest one. Connor's the one who really cares in a way about all his siblings. And Connor, from the beginning, he's the happiest of all of them. Not He's probably not, like, happy, but he's the happiest out of all of the kids because he chose not to be a part of the family business, right? And mm-hmm. it was that was a really interesting scene as it was Connor lashing out, like, don't forget, I gave this up so that you could even have the possibility to be CEO. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he's a character we really don't have much context for, and I say that because we were introduced to him as a bumbling rancher who just took a couple million and like went and bought a ranch. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but. Well, 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 first of all, we're introduced to him. I don't know about you, but he's still Cameron from Ferris Bueller. You know, like, oh, wow. I can't unsee it now. Like, I, can, I, you just changed, you just changed the show forever. For like, me. he still, to me, is the Ferrari he destroyed in Ferris Bueller is Logan's, like, Ferrari. Is like, yeah. still a part of me in my mind is, is, is that. Okay, so I take it back. We have a little context from his true role in True Identity. But we we don't really have a reason on why Connor is the way he is. Like did he was he ever involved in the family business in his twenties or thirties? Like did he make a run at it and fail? We really don't have much context. He just kinda yeah. like he's in the background and I'm not saying that in a good or bad way. It's just it's interesting to watch him insert himself. And especially, I like mirroring these two sit-downs yeah. that the show starts off with. The first being the Monopoly game, the second being the, the lunch of kids. Because it, it, they're, they're fascinating insights into the Roy family. I mean, you start with the Monopoly game, where you just show that it's a cutthroat, bottom-line business. Cheating is encouraged. I mean, everybody is cheating, and everybody is expecting everybody else to cheat. It's just like there's there's no familial trust. Yeah. And then you bounce to this other scene where it's really showing that the relationships in the family are around the business. Yep. And that's why they treat Connor so horribly, because they don't view him as part of the business, so they don't you know, treat him with any type of respect. And I just think it's a fascinating mirror, both those scenes into the values and the morals and the principles that drive the Roy family of do whatever you need to do in the Monopoly game. And also your value in this family, which it continually comes back to is parallel and part and parcel to what you're doing in the family business. Exactly. AKA Connor's not the oldest and Kendall is. And there's great foreshadowing in Connor at the very, very end telling Kendall basically like was, was your spoon not shiny enough. And we see that. <laughs> and we see that later on where the kids have this feeling of entitlement that the family business is theirs and that they are entitled to take over and be the president and, run the board and, and all this stuff, especially Shiv and Kendall, Roman's sort of had to work for it this this season, right? 
But Shiv just was like, yeah, I'll take over as, as CEO. <laughs> Shiv has no experience in the business world. She's like, yeah, I'm going to be CEO. Logan's like, what? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you need to, like, figure out, like, what, one, what we do um, mm-hmm. besides, you know, commit crimes. And we see that later, and we're going to get to it in Logan's speech basically, basically at the end by saying, like, you guys are all morons and you don't like you need to work and like make your own pile like i've done everything for you and you guys still screw up all the time it's i'm I'm coming up with a fascinating analogy and bear with me i might be just on too many cups of coffee right now there's there's no such thing this is why we're friends so logan is all about gamesmanship right He's all about, he has a plan, he sticks to it, he keeps it to himself, but there's always a a, a scheme going on. Yeah. And what we see with Shiv, what we see with Connor, Kendall, Roman, the kids, is that when they're, well, let let me quick pause. Logan, it's gamesmanship. It's playing a board game and having a strategy. And I think one of the reasons... Logan doesn't respect his kids is because when you see them playing this Monopoly game, nobody has a strategy. Yeah. They're all just, and not that Logan doesn't cheat and steal, but nobody in that game has a coherent strategy. I mean, they're all just in that game, but also in everything they do. I mean, Shiv's acting wildly. Connor wants to run for president. Roman might be the one with the most strategy, which is the concerning part of it. And I I just don't think any of them have good gamesmanship, which is why Logan doesn't respect any of them. They're all bad Monopoly players. Yeah. I think think that's a really good point. And we see that as the episode goes on. So so after the intervention, we, we, we see the wedding and a great Greg moment where Greg is still trying to woo the princess Contessa Luxembourg, wherever she's from. Um, she's involved with environmental organizations and Greg's like, but not Greenpeace, right? Um, Hopefully not Greenpeace. Just, just, a, just a great moment. And then we get to the wedding itself. The Contessa's someone's crying. Uh, I, I think it was Willow was, was crying. And the Contessa was like, I just love weddings. They're just they're just so great. Greg's like, yeah, me too. Love them. And then Comfrey on his right is like, ugh, this is the worst. And Greg's like, tell me about it. It was just, just so, he's playing the field. It was just you know, it, it's a date ladder. It was it was just a great great moment of how they move the shot. Just like, oh, is Greg next to the Contessa? Like Comfrey's probably working with Kendall. Like she probably is. Like I can't even go to this. Like you fly me out to Italy for this wedding. And I'm probably still stuck with trying to book you on a podcast to keep like the, you in the news. And it's like, oh, wait, no, Comfrey can like c- c- go to the wedding. That's actually kind of nice. Except now she's stuck with Greg playing the field. <laughs> um, and we go from the wedding to the siblings start to hear rumors about what the deal is and how the deal's shaking out. And in all this, Shiv goes to not Connor, not Roman. Not Tom. She goes to find Kendall. Because Kendall will know what to do. Though Kendall didn't listen to her about being an addict and he was smoking in, in that scene. Not great if you are an addict. Because um, 
spoiler alert, cigarettes <laughs> are addictive. Um, and the Double Double does not endorse cigarettes. I just want to throw that out there. They're sponsors. They're just bad. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we see the moment of the season where up to this point, the moment of the season where Kendall sees the wait staff taking out the trash. Honestly, mm-hmm. I was a little surprised to see middle of the wedding taking out the trash, but Hey, sometimes things overflow and you got to do what you got to do. But Kendall breaks down. Kendall loses it in that moment. And he confesses to his siblings what happened at Shiv's wedding and how he killed the waiter and how he's like, he's just like, I'm a terrible person. I'm a murderer, blah, 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 blah. Like I'm so alone. What did you think of this scene? Besides that Jeremy Strong just won his second Emmy, what did you think of of this scene? I mean, I do have to just acknowledge definitely won his second Emmy there. He was he was incredible. You could feel the emotion through the screen. It's I mean, there's obviously the the implications on the show, but but I thought one of the most beautiful parts of this scene, and and we don't get a lot of beautiful moments in Secession is it really mirrored into sibling relationships? Because what they were saying to Kendall in the moment was not comforting things. Like, Roman was like, it took me three and a half hours to get a gin and tonic. Perfect, perfect. him in the head. Perfect Roman, like, can't take anything seriously, is so uncomfortable. He's, like, making a joke about, oh, yeah, the, like, someone on the waitstaff died. No wonder it took me so long to, like, to get a drink. Just so inappropriate, yet so perfectly his character. Perfectly written. Perfectly written. And it was just, it was a beautiful moment between siblings showing, you know, not just how the Roy siblings support each other, which is, you know, not with the most kind words, even when they're trying to be kind, but just, you know, how, how siblings in general can just be comforting to one another. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it, it did represent this monumental shift in the show, which is all the siblings vying for power. I think it's ironic. Connor wasn't there, but the three of them coming together, I mean, they really formed a group Yep. and, I think, in my opinion, what this is foreshadowing is we're finally going to see the siblings coalesce around one goal, one strategy, and stick to it, which is something we have not seen, and that's been Kendall's trying to do it, and Shiv's trying to do it, and Connor's trying to do it, but we've never actually seen a moment where it's like they solidified their devotion to each other in the cause of whatever they're trying to accomplish. And, and I think that's that's what we saw. And this and that's how this season started was Kendall in his ex-wife's beautiful apartment. I think in the Woolworth building downtown was where they filmed it. Um with all the siblings over saying we need to unite as a united front. Dad is weak, Logan is weak, we can take him down. And Mm -hmm. the company will be ours. Like, this is our moment. And the siblings couldn't get over, like, the little squabbles about who's going to do what and the shares. And we finally got to, once they were united in in the car, when they were like, how is this going to work? Like, they were kind of just, like, throwing each other's roles out. 
And then Shiv was like, no, but we'll just fight it out. Like, it'll be fun. And they all kind of smiled about it. Like, they finally realized, like, if we're just united, we can worry about all that stuff later. But to get what we want, we have to be united. And you're right. It was it was amazing. But they've been – Kendall has been trying this literally since season one with the hostile takeover. And he couldn't do it. And then at the start of season three, he couldn't do it. And Kendall's finally like, you guys finally see – what I've been talking about, that Logan is going to screw you one way or another. He doesn't care about you. Like Shiv, he told Shiv to her face, you're going to take over. And then now treat Shiv like a nothing. Mm-hmm. Shiv finally sees it. And then once we get to the final scene, Roman, they finally convince Roman as well. Um, because mm-hmm. he was the loose one. But like as you're right, they're, they're in the car. And they're united. They're making phone calls because... In the divorce agreement, which so beautifully dropped in their last episode about how Caroline, their th- those three's mom, is reopening the divorce ag- agreement to get some apartment that her new husband likes. Just throwing that little thing in there, that little tidbit that this divorce agreement is, is important in some way. That, Log- that Logan can't change control of the company without a supermajority of the family. That that was something that their mom got in the in the divorce, and so if the siblings are united, Logan can't do this, and so Kent so Kendall calls the lawyer to make sure Roman's on the phone with someone else to make sure, and who does Shiv call? Sorry, Roman's talking with Connor, right? And who does Shiv call? She calls Tom, and what is Tom's first question? How do I well, fit in? Yeah, <laughs> right. Self preservation, Dave. Self preservation, and Shiv's like basically like shut up tom don't worry about it you'll be at the top of course but like don't like why are you bothering me with 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 you like this is about me because everything with shiv is about her and then in that moment we see tom's turn and one of my favorite moments greg comes up he's like it's going like like you're looking at the next you know 12th in line to the throne of Luxembourg, you know, a Dutch of somewhere and like blah, blah, blah. And Tom's like, Greg, we need to talk serious. Like mm-hmm. we could joke about your love life later, but sit down. We need to talk. We need that. We need to have a deep break. And it was such a beautiful, perfect scene between these two characters as, you know, Greg trying to, Greg is all about self-preservation too as this outsider who's now become an insider in, in the family. Tom is the same way. And Greg's like, I don't know if I just want to come with you blindly, just follow you, you know, as an attack dog. And Tom says just a great line. Who has ever looked out for you in this family? And Greg's like, yeah, I guess you threw water bottles at me that, that one time, but yeah. In a remarkably ironic way, it is it is Tom who's looked out for him the most. I will say, and because when he was joined with Kendall, Kendall didn't really look out for him. Kendall's like, "I may burn you." Yeah, and he's I'm like, "I'm gonna let it, you know, but I may burn." You. <laughs> yeah, um, and in the line of the whole episode, maybe the whole season, Tom Tom asks Greg, "Do you want to make a deal with the devil?" And that devil is Logan. Mm-hmm. And Greg, after a pause, says, what am I going to do with the soul anyway? Cherry on top. 
that's Boo that's souls, souls or you know whatever. <laughs> and then, and then they they hug, they go for a handshake, but like no, they they hug. It's like these two, we've joked about you know the buddy cop, but these two have a real relationship. These two clearly care about each other as the outsiders of the family, who are surviving every day is a battle for them in this family. But what did you think of? of that little great scene between Tom and Greg. It's just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head out of all the people. They are the outsiders. They are the people who can get cut off and thrown under the bus the quickest because there's no shareholder implications or familial ties. And yet they're the two people who have a client. Well, I guess Greg has familial ties, but not, not a, a son or a daughter of Logan. But those two have just climbed the ladder. I won't say kept their head down, but but have not gotten their head cut off. And at the end of the season, they're both sitting in pretty good situations after I mean I think it comes back. They they have good gamesmanship. I mean they do some deplorable things. Suing Greenpeace is about as low as you can get. But they have great gamesmanship in terms of getting what they want and making sure they're they're preserved. I mean, they operate under self-preservation. Yeah. And they don't care that they don't have a soul, and they're good at it. Think about the first thing we really saw Greg do. Greg becomes a part of the family. Tom sends him to go shred that stuff. And Greg does that little, you know, stupid little song about, like, this goes away and this saves the day. And Greg, from the beginning, was out to save himself. Absolutely. And we love to poke fun and we love his awkwardness and his bumblingness, but Greg's as much of a killer as anybody on the show. He's resilient. He's He's heel turned. He stole those documents to save himself. He he blackmailed Tom with them, even though it was a funny scene. He blackmailed him. He um turned on Logan with those documents. At the end of season two, joined Team Kendall. He turned away from his grandfather and the inheritance. Then he turned on Kendall, and now he's turning on the rest of the family again. Like Greg is, as you said, Greg is. Greg understands the game in a way because even though he has this inheritance, he's had to work for everything in this family. And that's what we get to in the final scene where all the kids walk in. They're like, we know what you're doing. You can't do it. We're here to stop you. And Logan's like, don't don't talk about things you don't understand. You guys haven't had to work for anything. I win. I always win. Like you guys, like you guys are morons. Like you guys have never had to work for anything. You know, you guys can't beat me was the message of the scene. And it was just so beautifully acted and written and it was that scene makes the show what the show is and why it's mm-hmm. so good yeah no i it was a i don't want to say it was an expected but it was a foreshadowed ending because as tom said i think it was an episode or two ago I've never seen Logan lose. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, 
Logan has the same resiliency that Tom, who has the same resiliency that Greg does, which is they don't lose. They might lose, you know, in the immediate short term. But you, we never really see any of those people lose. And it's, it, it brings up an interesting thing to go back to the Greg point. I don't know when Logan said it. I don't know which, which kid he said it to. I think it was Roman. He said, you're not a killer, son. That was Kendall. That's why, that was Kendall. That was, that was Kendall. Yep, yep, yep. And that's why Greg and Tom are. They're killers. Yeah. And when you mentioned the foreshadowing, so we see that great Tom line. I mentioned on this podcast about mm-hmm. how important it was, was him telling Kendall, like, look, I've seen you get screwed over a lot. All Like, I think it's going to happen to you because I've seen it happen all the time, and I've never seen it happen to Logan. And there was another moment really throughout the, the season where Tom goes to Logan and says, hey, if you need a head to roll for this, I'm your guy. Like, he mm-hmm. offers himself as a sacrifice. And then when they find out that there aren't going to be any real charges and no one's going to go to jail, Logan whispers, like, Tom, he basically like, Tom, great job. I won't forget this. Yep. yep. And then it's gone viral on social media, but Tom tells a story of Nero and Sporos, how Nero, you know, the ancient Roman King or the emperor killed his wife, like pushed his wife down the stairs and married Sporos, castrated Sporos and, and married him. And as after, as when he makes his offer to, to Greg, he's like, do you want to make a deal with the devil? Sporos. And it's like, <laughs> Oh my God. The writing on the show is so good because one, not many people know the story of Nero and Sporos. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not like David and Goliath. Like, it's not really talked about that much in the popular culture. No, absolutely not. But it played out. It was like if you were paying attention to these tiny, tiny little things, because that's what great shows do. Like, every scene and every bit of dialogue matters in this show. You would have seen Tom is going to push his wife down the stairs, which which he does, which, which he does to Shiv, and he's going to make a deal with his Sporos, who is Greg, and just an unbelievable heel turn. Where in the moment, devastating and shocking and brilliant, but we've seen it since the end of season two, when he tells Shiv, most of the time, I'm think about it, I'm pretty I'm really pretty unhappy. And none of that stuff got resolved in season three, except for Shiv just being even worse to him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to screw you over. And then I'm going to come into the room after I did it and be like, hey, Shiv, you okay? Mm -hmm. Which was just so cool. Oh, she 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 knew because they do the beautiful Godfather shot of them watching, you know, like the Kingmakers as Logan walks out, sees Tom, pats him on the shoulder and smiles. Like mm-hmm. Logan's like, ah, oh, my son has arrived, my real kid. Mm-hmm. And Shiv just looks, sees it, and she's just like, this dude just like, oh my God. It's so like, and also because this family's so messed up, the, Tom and Shiv will probably fly back together, PJ style, back to New York. 100%. Um, and we see, again, the last thing I'll say before I, I let you jump in here is in each season at the end, we have seen, you know, the biblical kiss or, or, or the kiss of Judas, right? Of At the end of season one, Logan kisses Kendall on his forehead after, you know, you're my number one boy after he kills mm-hmm. that 
kills the the waiter. Season two, when after their talk where Logan tells Kendall, you're not a killer and you got to be a killer before Kendall goes and turns on him and almost tries to kill him. Kendall kisses Logan on, on the cheek. And we see here at the last scene we see as Shiv staring off the distance as Tom kisses her on the forehead. It's like the kiss of Judas, which is just really, really cool imagery, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just great great right like that's what makes this show i mean i know we keep saying it but like that's what makes this show so so good is like the continuing themes and images throughout the seasons where like everything matters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the more you know the better it gets yes the, yeah no I, I i i think you are spot on with that it's not necessarily what is happening that's intriguing it's the easter eggs the metaphors and the themes that keep coming up and that when you pay attention it just adds so much more yeah to the show and to the scenes it's the it's the symbolism of how they shoot the show what they what they talk about every little line of dialogue really really matters mm-hmm. and it that <laughs> The Jesse Armstrong, who runs the show, writes the show. He is, he is so good. This is this is his masterpiece. This is his King Lear, right? What he's been doing. And the the, the last thing I'll say about uh, before we get to some more themes or more, if we want to talk about the the last scene even more, is kendall and roman we really really see in that scene where he's confessing you know big line from the jeremy strong profile was kieran culkin who plays roman basically saying like jeremy who plays kendall thinks that he's playing hamlet while we all Mm -hmm. think that it's a comedy like Mm -hmm. i think it's a comedy You're, you're playing hamlet and in that scene kendall is playing hamlet and Roman thinks it's a comedy by saying like, well, it's he, well, the kid took the wheel. So it sounds like he killed himself, (laughs) which is like totally, totally messed up. But like Roman Roy as a character is a comedy. Like they Mm -hmm. on the same TV show are on different shows, which is so brilliant because not many Mm -hmm. shows can make that work. And somehow yeah. this show makes it work. It's just that it's the expert writing behind it. I mean, everything is so intentionally crafted and every line is so specific, not just to the storyline, but to the character development. And it just, they stay on theme. And, and I really can't think of a time where a line for a character has been out of character if that makes sense i mean shiv has this like angsty kind of firecracker doing a bunch of things but not really having a plan about it attitude i mean roman is the classic like doesn't really care about much but is weirdly emotional i mean each line of each kid and even not just the kids but logan greg tom Comfrey, I mean, name your character. Each line is so perfectly written in the voice of the character 
that I think that's how they can walk on two feet in terms of yeah. switching back and forth between something that's more serious versus something that's more comedic. And I think it goes back to the genius of the playwriting or the screenwriting, which is they develop the characters so specifically and intentionally that they can really take the story anywhere you want yeah. because you're bought into the characters and the dynamic of those characters almost as much as this fascinating glitzy sexy storyline of you know a, a billion dollar media company which in and of itself is a cool storyline and you pair the character development alongside of that that's so perfect and so intentional and so explicit that it just it's captivating and you perfectly described with with roman being like the joke character and these serious things happening around him the foreshadowing happens you know logan walks out is like you guys should have trusted me, but like, you know what? Screw you guys. You're idiots. Like I'm sort of done with you all. Um, mm -hmm. he, Roman goes to Jerry. It's like, Jerry, like you have to, like, he's not, he's not healthy. Like you have to help us, like save us basically. And Jerry's like, um, I told you this in, in episode three or whatever, episode four, everything you do needs to be in the, in, you know, you're doing it because it looks out for your interests and prioritizing your interests. And Jerry's like, how does this help my interests to help you? And Roman's like, and Roman's just like, and then Roman collapses and Roman's like, Oh my God. Um, getting to quotes of the week quickly. Cause there were so many in, in this last scene of the, Hey Shiv, you okay? After Tom comes in the, when Logan impersonates Shiv, you need a super majority. That was that was that was so that was so great. Um, Logan asking Roman, "What's in your hand?" and Roman love. goes, "Love." And Logan's like, "Love, you come to me with love." <laughs> that was, and then just the whole Shiv. Who told him we were coming? who told him we were coming and the camera pans to Tom in the hallway, just, mm -hmm. just like at the Godfather one. And it was so, so, so brilliant. But uh, what other quotes do you have for, for this episode? Cause there was just so many great ones. I have, I have one funny and one, one important to the storyline. Funny one. It obviously has to do with Greg and Tom. When Tom says, Greg, you marry her, your plane crash away from becoming the weirdest king <laughs> in Europe. Or Europe's weirdest king. Just that just so spot on. And again, it goes back to this serious moment, serious conversations. And then you just have this lovable duo of idiots that just play off one another so well. That's my funny one. I think I think the most important one for me... And, and we haven't talked about it yet. It kind of flew under the radar until the last scene is when Shiv's giving her toast and she says, I hope that your marriage is yes. as rich, yes. happy, and rewarding and fulfilling as mine. Yes. And it just, <clears throat> you talk about the nail in the coffin. Yeah. That's the nail in the coffin. Because she pushes Tom, she pushes Tom, she pushes Tom, she mistreats him, blah, 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 blah. And he keeps coming back. And it just, 
I don't remember specifically, but I don't think we see Tom and Shiv interact after that, aside from the phone call, but like in no. person. And that right there, that's the nail in the coffin that gives Tom the signal of it's time to move on. That you're you're so right, and you know, bringing it up, I, that was a mess up by me. But that was that was the moment where we learned last week about Logan's version of love as he kicks things just to see if they come back, and mm-hmm. Shiv has inherited that from her dad. And that was the moment where Tom didn't come back. Shiv has kicked nope. him for the first 29 episodes, 29 and a half episodes. One kick too many. And he's always come back. And that was the one where Tom said, you know what? I'm, I'm not coming back. And the two I have quickly is when they're in the car and they're like, we're going to go in and we're going to kill dad. And Kendall's like, give me the shotgun. <laughs> like Incredible. like I've been preparing for this since I was four in a way like give me the shotgun mm-hmm. and then the funny one is when Willa finally accepts Connor's wedding proposal <laughs> to not just be his husband but a rock solid candidate or like a bulletproof candidate she goes how bad can it be just beautiful and this is someone who's been around the Roys for three seasons and should know how bad it can be <laughs> But it's the Jeez. but it's the influence of power and money and prestige and private jet trips to Tuscany. Randomly, Glitz, right? Like glitz and glamour. Yeah. So my quick little theory here is, as we're at the very, very end is we don't see them fully signing the deal. We Dave, it seems dirty, it seems like it's dog. all set, but nothing on the show happens by accident. Shiv gets that extra board seat. At that shareholder meeting, I can't remember what the comp, what, what you know, what the composition of the board is. But Sandy and Stewie have four board seats. Shiv has one. Greg's grandfather has one. There may be a way where the kids, again, through boardroom, what people feel like was a problem with the show is like it's just them talking in boardrooms, and we don't understand what that is. But like, yeah, like you don't need to know all the terms, but like you get you like you get what's going on. It's like they're going to take over the the company there could be another boardroom battle in season four because what we know is this show has to end soon because the topic of succession can't go eight or nine seasons it's a and also logan already has health issues he's not going to keep like getting worse and worse and worse over seven seasons like this season four may be the last season dave I think we've we've come to influence each other because that that's my theory that I alluded to earlier, which okay. is again it goes back to beautiful and intentional writing. In that they had this dramatic climatic scene of you think something happens, but when you stop and pause and take a step back, nothing happened. Yeah, because they didn't sign anything. And so my theory is that, you know, while they make it seem like there's this big dramatic thing, season four, which I agree probably is going to be the last season, is going to come and we're going to realize that nothing, nothing was signed. And it's not as simple as Logan winning. My theory, I don't think Logan wins, but I, I think we need to have at least one more episode of hot takes and hot takes only. (laughs) <laughs> that we for we definitely do but what a season what a as you said 
a lot got resolved, but in a way, what is so great about this show is you have this huge moment like, wait, what's going to happen next? Like season two, not much got resolved season two. And then Kendall has the documents, right? Cruises wasn't resolved from like the beginning of season one to like the middle of season three, you know? So things, things are always moving for, for the Roy family. JR, it was a pleasure talking succession every week with you on the podcast. It was a blast. I hope that you run into cousin Greg in downtown Manhattan where he lives and where, and where you live. And that would be a one for a night for the ages. I'll, uh, convince him to come on the pod when i do not if i do when i do dave thanks for having me can't wait to see what happens in season four i'm gonna spend the next couple weeks coming up with some hot takes and this is not the last time you're gonna have to deal with me i love it have a great holiday you too my friend that'll do it for this episode of the double double if you like this podcast you can find us on itunes spotify or wherever your podcast where you can subscribe rate and review five stars would be much much appreciated you can also follow us on twitter at dbl underscore dbl podcast we'll be back next week take care and make it a great day